Welcome to the Futurati Podcast. Any member of the Futurati is somebody who believes in the power of the future. We know there's a better world ahead, and we indeed have the power to make it so. In our podcast, we talk to the best minds in the world about the most urgent problems facing mankind today, and we hope you learn as much from them as we do. I'm Thomas Fry, a professional futurist and keynote speaker. And I'm Trent Fowler, a machine learning engineer and author. Thank you for joining us. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for listening to the Futurati Podcast. Tonight, we're joined by Ruben Harris. Ruben began his career in investment banking before acting as advisor to companies like Forge Health, Alt School, and Hustle. He went on to found Career Karma, one of the premier resources for people looking to transition into technology careers, and he co-hosts the Breaking Into Startups podcast. If you enjoy this interview, please don't forget to like the episode and subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Ruben, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey into entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, so in my opinion, the best entrepreneurs are solving problems that they have themselves. Um, and I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. And when I was looking for types of companies I wanted to work for, I wanted to focus on learning from founders that were solving problems further down Maslow's hierarchy of needs backed by top-tier investors uh, with a team that's done it before um, and where I could add a lot of value. Um, and the reason why I bring that up is because we're in a very frothy market right now. Um, a lot of, it's, it's in a, a, a market where um, capital is chasing ideas versus ideas chasing capital. Um, but these things go in cycles. I mean, some people call this next decade um, the roaring 20s, like, because of the pandemic that we're coming out of and all this pent up demand with travel and, and new consumer behaviors, which I'm excited about, um, but you just gotta be aware that things go up and down. Um, and so by focusing on things that are a need for people um, versus just things that are nice to have, um, you can weather all the storms. And one of the, one of the, um, one of the most persistent things that's consistent in a, in a bull market or a bear market is education. And so for the people that don't know what Career Karma is, Career Karma is the easiest way to find a job training program online. And what we do is match workers to job training programs so they could get high paying jobs in tech in about a year. Historically, you know, you had the auto manufacturers like um, GM and Ford that are also doing amazing things in innovation now and this manufacturing industry, like employing most of our, our generation. But I would argue, the, the Facebooks, the Netflix, the Googles, the, the new technology companies, Airbnb, DoorDash, Uber, et cetera, are now the new GMs and Fords of our time. And so growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, where I saw successful people from not just privileged backgrounds, but for underestimated communities uh, being successful, not just in old school industries like what I just mentioned, but also in, in law and politics and, and banking, uh, but um, I, I, I realized that um, many people that I grew up with were unaware of these jobs that were being created in the world of technology. It's not that they didn't have the ability, they just didn't know that it existed. Um, so for me, um, I had no idea what an, what an investment banker was or what a software engineer was growing up. And so I was, I was blessed to listen to, to podcasts and, and read blogs about these different industries, um, which put me in a position to create what we're doing today. Um, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's, that's very similar because I didn't know what a futurist was when I was growing up either. So yeah. Tom, Tom was born before they invented the future. And so, <laughs> yeah, a, a few, a few years it. ago. Yeah. But, but one of the, uh, one of the things that you're mentioning here is, uh, is I talk a lot about this competition that's growing up, the uh, competition between college degrees and, and certifications. Um, and th- it becomes a credentialing war, if you will, uh, as which, which is more important, which uh, gets people higher paying jobs, uh, which is faster, quicker, easier to do. And uh, that, I think, becomes such a game changer in kind of the way we've been doing things. Uh, so, yeah. so what's your thinking on that? I love that you bring this subject up. I am not a credential bull. 
um, and this is why. In the United States, we have alone, like not talking about globally, just there's over a million credentials in the United States. And to your point, people put different values on a credential. Um, however, what we're realizing is that credentials alone, certificates and degrees alone don't get you a job. Right? That's why our student loans are so high and you know, 41% of recent college grads are underserved. It's taking people six years to graduate versus four years to graduate, even though they signed up to four-year colleges. And there's like many people that have some college, millions of people that have some college and no degree with a, a bunch of loans. So I say that because to your point, we're actually moving towards a shorter, faster, cheaper model where I don't think colleges are going to go away. I think colleges are very important um, for leadership development, for social things, to, to expose you to new ideas um, and thought and, thing, and, and also to um, interact with people that are in different ages and things like that. But I think what we're moving towards is a de-emphasis on where you went to school and a focus on teaching you practical knowledge that companies need so that you can get a job. At the end of the day, I think every educational institution, whether it's a boot camp, a trade school, a college, a massive open online course, a cohort-based course, an individual teaching a course will be measured on, did this thing get me a job or not, period. Um, so yeah. How do you think that will impact the course offerings? Because obviously some things are just not as remunerative as others. I mean, a, a philosophy major, well, mm -hmm. philosophy is actually not a, not a great example because philosophy majors do mm -hmm. pretty well because they become founders mm -hmm. or, you know, investment mm -hmm. bankers mm -hmm. or whatever, but you know what I mean? So there are some majors that yeah. are, that are very valuable, but for mm -hmm. which you can't expect to make as much money or, or, or getting a job in that field may be much harder. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not worth doing, but it, it seems like while I welcome the move towards more practical knowledge, some of those things might be de-emphasized and we'll lose something in the process. So how, how do you think that dynamic will play out? I love that you asked that question. Like this on this weekend, I was at a bar and the waitress shared with our table that she is doing a community degree. And I was like, what is a community degree? I have no idea what that right. is. But community is a very popular term and the tech world, it's a very, it's kind of like operations at a tech company because like people are understanding that the purpose of technology is to create, give people a voice and to organize. And organizing is essentially community building and goes down back to, to tribal things, um, labor unions, um, revolutionaries like Dr. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, things like that. So uh, these people are, are very well positioned like to do things in technology world, but to your point, I don't think you should be actually paying, and no shade to her, I don't think you should actually like be paying to go to college to like get a community degree, in my opinion. Yeah. Because um, it's, 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 it's a lot. So what I think is actually going to happen is, is the we're going to take notes from like the, the music industry and the sports industry, right? So if you think about the most popular musicians or even the most popular athletes, they they didn't go to Juilliard, right? They just know how to make songs that people like, right? Right. Right. And what happens is, like, once you get your first hit record, for example, then you'll get the coaching from like a vocal coach to teach you music theory and things like that, right? With the sports athlete, right? You have people like Kobe, R.I.P., or you have like LeBron that are going straight to the NBA untrained i mean they're trained but like they they didn't go to college right. like, on a formal level but once they're in there they are surrounded by the best coaches like a phil jackson or they get the yoga the, the meditation and all the all the other stuff the leadership development that you would need and so where i think our education system is going is towards teaching people things that companies need so to to answer your question about how the educational curriculum will evolve I think it has to be tied to what employers need. Um, and that's very important um, because that's how people are going to be choosing where they want to go for whatever jobs are relevant. And I've always wondered why does the Department of Education and the Department of Labor live separately? They should be working together and communicating with each other every day, every second. Um, and I think that that's going um, to happen more and more.
So do you think there's going to be a tighter coupling between major corporations and colleges? Or are you going to see like Walmart Academy or I'm, I'm being slightly yeah. facetious, but something kind of like that? No, absolutely. So um, you can already see this. Um, Amazon actually just launched something called Amazon Technical Academy. Um, someone, uh, I shared, a, there's an article from, I think it's a, a Eventbrite or Etsy um, about how they, how they increase um, their percentage of female engineers by a thousand percent is by partnering with an organization called Resource Center, Recurse Center in New York, and they did it with a boot camp in about a year. Uh, my friend, um, uh, the founder of Living Social, um, he actually started something called Hungry Academy, where they would train people internally, and it was is an employer play model. And so, to, to this point, I, I really like this point. I actually think that the employer is the largest educational institution globally, and they stay with the individual the longest. A lot of times when you get your first job straight from college, for example, you still need training. For example, when I graduated college, I had to teach myself courses on breaking to Wall Street, and then in investment banking, they put you through prep before you start, and then they put you through the gauntlet, and you're working 80, 100 hours a week, but you need that training. and. Like, if you look at the L&D, the learning and development budgets for employers, it's the largest in the world. Guild Education has actually tapped into this a little bit um, with um, getting Chipotle to invest in their workers. And Walmart, you mentioned Walmart. They actually, like, provide, they pay for the tuition so that they can level up from a retail worker all the way up to the next level. Um, but you're also starting to see this category grow with boot camps. Um, General Assembly has great corporate training. Hackrad has great corporate training. Um, who else? Trilogy does a really good job uh, working with two of you on, on this. So I think corporate training is going to be a very big deal. And learning is another platform that's starting to do this as well. So let me let me test out a scenario on you here. Um, I, I happen to think that um, most of what you do in a college degree um, ends up getting thrown in the trash once you graduate. I mean, the, what, the stuff that you're doing as, as learning through the process uh, has nothing meaningful associated with, so, so it, it just goes by the wayside. So I've been playing around with this idea of accomplishment-based education. And, the, uh, and I think in terms of having this um, unit, this AI uh, talking device that you're talking back and forth. It has a verbal interface, and you're talking back and forth to it. And um, and and so if you want to write a book as an example, it will coach you the entire way through the process of writing a book so that when, when you're finished, you not only have something that's fairly meaningful, I mean, it's, it's a regular accomplishment. It's a real accomplishment that you could actually get it published and uh, show people this is your, your calling card from here on out. Um, you, you don't have that with, with any college degree. I mean, the same thing could be done with if you're a game designer and you design a, a video game or if you write a script for a Broadway play or if you want to become an on, this entrepreneur and start a new business, you're having this coach that's coaching you along the way. Um, and that, um, uh, that comes at things from a radically different vantage point. Than, and and I'll, I'll take it even so far as to, um, I've been thinking about this, if, if you want to teach somebody to become a really good athlete, that you put a bodysuit on them that um, has something that would actually stimulate the muscles. Um, so if you wanted to be like an Olympic gymnast that's doing all these flips and everything, um, you, uh, you, you go out and do it and, it, and you get so that it actually fires your muscles at the right time and this AI unit is controlling you. And so that then you suddenly, you know what it feels like to actually do something like that. Um, that, that is such a radical departure from the way we learn things in the past. I mean, we have lots of black and blue marks and broken bones and things. That's the way we, we do that right now. But <laughs> uh, I think there's a more efficient way of, of accomplishing those things. So, so anyway, I've been playing around with these scenarios as to can we actually create this uh, AI teacher bot that's going to coach us through life and, and kind of as constantly assessing where we're at, knowing what we're deficient in, 
what it'll take to bring us up to speed and to give us some new skill. And uh, I, I think that would be huge, hugely a major difference maker in the world. Yeah, no, there's a few things that you shared that uh, I love. Um, Audio-based courses, I really love it. Um, they're on the rise. Um, there's a um, company called Knowable that's in the initialized portfolio that's doing this and, and many others. The reason why it resonates a lot with me is, um, well, before telling you why it resonates a lot with me, audio is the only way, and let me make sure I'm, I'm saying this right, the only way that you can learn while doing other things simultaneously, right? Okay. You, like with text, you, you got to like focus on it. With video, you got to focus on it. But like you can run and, and listen to something. You can talk to other people and listen to something. You can work out and listen to something and like really download that content. Obviously, you got to focus, but just like audio is really, really special in that regard. And yeah, you can't if, you can't do a podcast and do it at the same time. But other, yeah, other than that, I'm, I'm actually listening time. to a podcast <laughs> during this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what, what, what's cool? What's cool about it though is that, um, especially if it's taught by the same person, you actually feel like you've developed a relationship with that individual. Um, I know it sounds very like weird. No, that's exactly right. Like, that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, like when when I when I um when I played video games, um, I was a big Counter Strike guy. I don't know if you guys remember Counter Strike, but yep. before there was oh, Twitch, yeah. <laughs> um, there was a cyber athlete professional league, a cyber athlete amateur league, and I was in Kyle Maine. Um, and every night I look forward to like connecting with my team members, and I never met them in person. I eventually did meet them in person, but there's something special about that, and. The reason why I think about learning related to what um, what our brother was just sharing is um, growing up, I used to listen to, to unabridged audio books from the library. My mother used to always do this. Um, and so in the car, on our commutes, that's what we listened to. Um, I would also listen to this uh, series called Adventures in Odyssey, uh, which also like um, taught me not only just how to consume knowledge, but also how to use my imagination. Right. So like imagination is so underused but like the reason why a lot of times the book is better than the movie for the people that actually read books for example i read the godfather before i watched the movie and my imagination's movie was better than the movie even though no shade to the godfather i got a godfather poster in my room and i love it but like the imagination's powerful right. and like i think like with audio-based courses if you could like not just teach left brain thinking, but also right brain thinking. I think imagination unlocks a lot of creativity. Um, so that's that's the thing about audio. On the um, on the practical side of things, I really like what you said around um, body suits um, because like lately I've been training with the weighted vest, which is very awesome. <laughs> and at first um, it was hard. But like then I got used to it by doing, and then over time my body adjusted to it. There's only so much that you can learn from reading a book, listening to a book, watching a, a video, or even writing it yourself. Like your your thoughts on something yourself. I think the best education is learning by doing. It's like I'm not going to be able to learn how to be a jujitsu fighter, a black belt jujitsu fighter, without training on the mat. Or even watching videos, I can know everything. But like, I have to train with somebody. I have to get those bruises that you're talking about, mm -hmm. so that I could adjust and just really develop that muscle memory. And so, I think to your point, figuring out a way to pair that, um, so, so how to how to take how to feed the practical things that I'm doing back to the AI bot or back to the coach or back to the educator, so they know how I'm doing is important because currently our education system is a one size fits all, mm -hmm. right? Where my first job in tech was at a company called All School, um, focused on personalized education for K through eight students. I, I'm also a Montessori kid. Nice. Um, and so in Montessori, um, for the people that don't know, it's mixed age classrooms, you know, zero to five years old. Um, and, and we focus on like individuality with a sense of community, but also making sure that the teacher understands that people have different learning styles. And so teaching them and meeting them where they are so that they can learn matters. 
Um, but I don't think that there's been a very clear system to be able to feed that that practical knowledge with the theoretical knowledge. But um, I like this vision of the future yeah. that he just shared with us. Well, actually, I, I, <laughs> I was going to note they, they make headphones now that use transcranial magnetic stimulation to activate the neurons in the motor cortex. So you're wearing your headphones. It's got a band over the top like all headphones do, but there's a little extra circuitry in there that will electrically stimulate the parts of your brain responsible for coordinating your activities. And, uh, it's been some time since I checked up on it, but the initial trials were pretty, pretty compelling. Like people's balance improved people's motion. They were more graceful, more fluid. They could hit with more force. It just allows you to bring to bear more of your native resources in the physical domain. So it's and really cool. I mean, when you find it, I like stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely will. Yeah. I, um, I've been thinking a lot about how do we train the AI to be able to teach people these different skills and the best way is to kind of reverse engineer the experts, today's experts, the people that have done yeah, really yeah. well. And and so maybe a device like that might be a way of kind of reverse engineering. Well, uh, one uh, more thing on this. Um, so I've, I have this thing called um, Muse2. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a headband. Oh, that yes, yes, your yes. Brain waves. Yeah, it's yeah. a meditation headband. And like you, you're, when you first start off, it's like you're – supposed to be focused on like not having distracting thoughts and if you have distracting thoughts let's say that you choose bird sounds the bird sounds will get louder but if you are focused and you're in the meditative state is calm and relaxed um and then it learns over time and shows you your progress on like how calm or relaxed or distracted you were through that so i think i think muse 2 gives a sign similar to what you're doing Absolutely. i also like um what calm and headspace are doing um, I think they're doing some really cool things, especially calm with um, how they're getting involved with athletes. I think athletes probably are going to be the best ones to like really start testing these types of theories out because they're always monitoring their diet and their sleep. Um, you, I don't know, look at LeBron. He puts like over a million dollars into his body. He's older than everybody else and still kicking everybody's behind. Yeah. And he's because he's like really maniacally focused on his sleep routine he, he like meditation and, and things like that. So anyway, um, and, and I think biometric and the quantified self is going to be a very big deal for this, for this day and age. Um, people are focused on life extension and 50 is the new 30. Uh, yeah. at least that's what I tell myself. Now <laughs> yeah. <I'm> 34. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, no, no, that's fantastic. We're actually going to interview Gary Wolf from quantified self in a month or two, I think. So I'll, I'll definitely let you know oh, when cool. that, when that podcast drops. So I, Please. I, I kind of wanted to stick with the, uh, some of the compelling comments you made about audio as a learning medium, because I, I think you're exactly right. Audio is the only thing w where you can be doing some other task and also learning at the same time. And Thomas and I have been kicking around the idea of podcast colleges for a while. And given that you are involved in boot camps and you've got this sort of thousand foot view of the state of global education, I, I wonder if, if you might get uh, if, if you might give us some some feedback on our, our preliminary considerations. So. so so just to feed into that a little bit, um, I've been playing around with this idea of what I call microcredits. And just as a, a baseline, like 100 microcredits equals uh, one college credit. So um, if you if you listen to, you know, 20 hours of podcasts and you take a short test, um, is that the equivalent of uh, 100 micro credits or one college credit um and or, or if you go to a movie and you take a short test and it's at 3.2 micro credits you read a book uh you take a test so so anyway it's a, a way of actually figuring a way of assessing some learning that has taken place um through the process but uh to think that learning can only take place inside of a classroom with so many uh, with uh, such a qualified teacher and, and all that. And it just is total BS to me. And I, I think you would need a couple of things for an audio first platform. And I've been, I've been thinking about this for a while. So I think one thing you would need is the audio. Obviously you need a smarter way to search within the audio so that you can backtrack to the exact place where your attention started to wander as you're washing the dishes or your, your kid runs through the room or something like that. I think you need a way of summarizing different parts of it so that you don't have to go back and listen to one full hour 
of audio to remember where you were. If it's been two or three days since you've you've been uh, involved in the in the class, you need to hear a, a 15 minute summary of everything to make sure you're still there. I think you need a way of taking notes dynamically. So you need to be able to pause, dictate a note, and then have it tagged in the track so that you can go back and listen to it. And ideally, you'd have a multi multiplayer feature there where you can hear other people's notes and other other things people have heard and they can hear your notes and they can react to it and a conversation could get going. I think if you had all those places, you would have the essential foundation for an audio first college experience or learning experience, I guess is a better way to put it. Dude, that's, uh, that's like, that sounds like a billion dollar idea to me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. That's the first time I've heard someone phrase it so well. Um, I think there's a lot there. I think to your point, the problem with podcasts is it's hard to search the best place right. to that's relevant. Um, but to your point, people are consuming podcasts to learn, right? They don't just want to hear a bunch of filler about the introduction of who the person is, which is helpful. Right. They don't know, but sometimes it takes 30 minutes, right? It's just to get through the introductions from both people or from all the people that are on the show. Right. Um, but if you can get to like, you know, you, there's some of these um, podcasts that are doing these like espresso bites where they take the best clips and they like summarize like that that shot of knowledge that you can take to to where you where you start your day. Um, I really love the idea of being able to dynamically take notes as you're listening to these things that jump out to you. Like for me, I'm always listening for quotables all the time. Yeah, right? and and I always, and I love quotables all the time. Um, and I think to your point, if you can like, sometimes listening to a podcast is like meditation where if there's like, if they're over an hour, two hours, three hours, your mind will wander. Yeah. And then you're like, damn, I got to re-listen to this thing. Yeah. If I'm listening to an audio book, I'll fall asleep and then I wake up like, dang, I forgot where I was. <laughs> so, so like, so I think, I think to your point, figuring out a way to like, not just log notes for yourself, but also do this multiplayer type of thing. That's right. super interesting because um, to your point, if I listen to a podcast I really like or like post it in Career Commas uh, channel, I'm like, yo, you guys should check this out. Or my co-founders, like, yo, check this out. Here, like, pay attention to this number. But the thing is, is when they listen to it, something else might jump out to them that I didn't even realize. And that's the beauty of like other people's perspectives. And I think that um, that's another beauty of college, right? Um, but even boot camps, just or, or just in general, just working with other people is like we all have different perspectives. Even children, we we're talking about children earlier, like they look at things in a in a naive, un, unadulterated way, which I think is like very um, very valuable. So um, that's my high level thoughts on it. But I, I think that's a really great idea. Podcast universities and colleges, why not? Like it doesn't exist, but it sounds great to me. That sounds really cool, yeah. So I mean, so, it so might you, exist. You were, look it up. I gotta look it up after this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coming from your space as an investment banker, is this an investable idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you guys do this, I'm happy to make introductions to investors. I know a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I want to spend some time talking about career karma and you introduced it a bit earlier in the show, but I, I'm sort of curious as to how it got started and what your long-term goals are. So I, I used to work for career karma as a content creator. I, I wrote some of the, uh, some of the articles on what you could expect in a machine learning engineer job right out of a boot camp or something like that. And I've always been sort of interested in the, the niche you're trying to fill. And I'm just curious as to what your long-term uh, goals are for it. Yeah. So career karma is the easiest way to find a job training program online. What's a job training program? It's any educational institution that measures its success on you getting a job. Right? That includes boot camps, trade schools, colleges, podcast colleges, yep. universities, <laughs> massive open online courses, cohort based courses. And in the future, I actually think the individual themselves right, will be the most powerful institution. You see this creator economy that's growing. And so the problem with all these amazing educational institutions that measure themselves on getting people jobs is that there's thousands of options for people. Right? And so people are faced by uh, something called paralysis by analysis. Right. Right? So what we do is we match workers to the most effective job training program for that 
individual. Going back to one size fits all models, right? The school that's best for you may not be the best school for them or her or whatever. So career commerce first value add is recommending a small group of two to four or two to five programs that are best for your specific goals and needs. Now, um, recommending a job training program for you is not enough. So whenever we match someone to a school that we've evaluated that is effective um, or, and someone gets matched or enrolled in the program, we get paid. And we use those dollars to reinvest back into the platform and keep it free for people. And we've created live audio rooms. Oh. Why do we create live audio rooms? Because um, even when someone recommend, is enrolled in a program or makes it through a program or has all of the things that have um, that that are best for their goals. Starting something new is intimidating for most people, right? And they psych themselves out, and they have to hear from others that are like them that that have a shared struggle that have proven that they have done it before. Video helps with this if you can see other people that look like you that have done this. But if I've created a safe space in an audio room and I'm in a room with other moms that were intimidated by a certain subject or other dads that were intimidated by certain subjects that had like four kids and working full time and are dealing with some other traumatic situations, but they hear from someone else that was vulnerable enough to share their situation and how they made it through and got a job as well, then that's going to a lot of times give people the courage to be like, I can do it too. Especially if that individual says, hey, I believe in you. Right? And so that that process, our product with the recommendations really gets someone enrolled into a program. But it's important not to just enroll someone in a program. If you look at massive open online courses, there's hundreds of millions of people that have signed up for things like Coursera, Udacity, Udemy, things like that. But there's only a 5 to 15% completion rate. Why? Because again, a career transition is psychological. So if someone can't get an answer to a question inside of a boot camp and they need to pass the test every week, a lot of times they'll drop out, not because they're lazy, but because they feel stupid or they feel like they can't keep up when they can keep up. They just need to talk to somebody and like be affirmed that they're on the right path or get an answer to your question. So live audio rooms also function as study buddy groups. They function as workshops for people as well. Um, And then when you get to the job search, talking about credentials, you know, People, people have the credential or the college credit from the boot camp or the college, and it says that they're software engineer, but they don't feel like they're software engineers. They're like, am I really a software engineer? And like, you, they, they need to hear from other people to be like, yes, you are a software engineer, and they need to get connected to other people that can help them get into the process because most jobs are offline and come through referral. And so career comma makes sure that people are connected to our network of over 2,000 companies. They can hear directly from companies themselves and the recruiters themselves and the people that have been hired from boot camps themselves so that they know that there are people that are high school dropouts or college dropouts or veterans or whatever, or just traditional industry switchers from law or whatever that are in tech and that figured out how to go through a boot camp to do it. And uh, we've helped thousands of people get jobs. Where's career comma going? Um, there's a reason why we're not called Code Karma. Currently, uh, we offer six different career paths in software engineering, design, data science, sales, and um, other, play, other, other platforms. In the future, we want to create uh, the number one destination for career advice on the internet where anybody can find the best job training for them for whatever career path that they want to follow, and we connect them with the right people, the right companies at the right time um, to get them quickly to their destination in three to 12 months. That's fantastic. How, how far along in that are you? Um, we are doing very well. Um, so everything that I just described to you is live, um, except the career paths beyond six different career paths. Um, we launched the live audio rooms in February of this year. And so that um, format or that medium or that form of communication is going to evolve based of based off of what we hear from individuals. Um, the social audio on a network on the internet is very new, mm-hmm. you know, pioneered by platforms like Discord and 
Clubhouse. You can think about live audience and career karma like Discord and Clubhouse having a baby focus on careers. Right? <laughs> and you see like yeah. locker room for sports that just got acquired by Spotify and things like that. So um, it's important for us to make sure that we are informed by our users and we're not just like putting our own biases into the platform. Um, so I think over this year or two, um, we'll learn a lot through this process. Um, schools themselves are hosting audio rooms. Bootcamp alumni are hosting audio rooms. Companies are launching audio rooms. And then one of our advisors, Casey Winters from Reforce, who's now the um, chief product officer at Eventbrite, is also guiding us on like how to evolve the product. I just hired two product managers, um, uh, one on the website and one on the on the audio room that's going to be focused on this. Um, and we'll be making a lot of hires um, to really evolve the product. So, yeah. And then... We'll raise more money and just keep going from there. That's that's remarkable. I, I wish you the best of luck in that. I think that's very compelling. I, I'm curious as to how you're going to expand beyond the six career paths. Because one of the things I wanted to ask you is about boot camp specifically, but it, it occurs to me that it actually might be relevant here as well. So, well, and also online learning. So some things are just easier to port online, I think, than others are. And I, it's no accident that we saw coding boot camps and online coding classes emerge first because I mean, for one thing, it's easier to grade the assignments. Either your code compiles and runs or it doesn't. Uh, it's much harder to do. Something. Yeah, it, <laughs> right. It's, it's much harder with something like history or philosophy or, or art. And I, I think maybe the technology needs to evolve a little bit. But, you know, given what you're trying to accomplish at Career Karma and your perspective on boot camps and sort of the intermediate term trajectory of, of education, how do you feel about trying to teach some of these less technical skills online through a platform like Career Karma's Audio Rooms or a MOOC? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite rap groups is the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> and Wu-Tang Clan has a song called Cream, which stands for cash rules everything around me. Um, and the reason why I bring this up is because one of our angel investors, James Joaquin, when he uh, invested in Career Karma early on, he sent me a picture of the Wu-Tang symbol and it said, dream. And it said, demand rules everything around. Yeah. And the reason why that's important in context of this conversation is to go beyond the career paths that we currently have, you have to own demand, you have to aggregate demand. Um, and you have to make uncommon knowledge common to this group that wants to get into nursing, for example, or get into appliance repair, getting into like whatever the new job is created now that driverless trucks and driverless cars are coming, right? right? And so the first thing, going back to community building, is gathering the people that are interested in the career path, that are also enrolled in the training programs for the career path, and that are employed or in the job search for that career path. So just using nursing as an example, um, that's what you would do first. Um, and there's examples of um, programs that are out there that are boot camps focused on teaching people nursing. I think it's a, it's a practical tool um, that you can do. Um, I think another good example is um, barbershops. Um, barbershops are trade schools and, and beauty schools are trade schools that like are have been stood for the test of time. There's great tech companies like Squire that are doing well, but you're starting to see barber schools launching online as well. Um, during the pandemic, it proved that um, an educator has to have an online option. Um, I like to say like education changed more in two weeks than it did in the last 200 years um, when the pandemic hit because like 1.5 billion people were forced to go online. But now that people are getting vaccinated, I get my second shot on Monday, by the way, Moderna gang, we out here. Um, the, the, um, the, um, the educational institution is now faced with a similar option to um, companies where they can choose to either be fully online, they could choose to be in person or a hybrid of both. Um, I would argue that most educators are going to have a hybrid of both. Yeah. Um, especially for things like mechanical engineering, right? Or things that require like hardware or surgery, right? Things like that. Um, but I do think that like for most things, you can actually teach online. 
Um, and I think the, 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 what educators have to master is community building and figuring out how to not just throw a bunch of students in the Slack or Discord channel and figure out how to organize them. Slack and Discord are built for enterprise or for gaming. Well, gaming is a better analogy than, than Slack, um, but Slack and Discord aren't built for education. And so, like, I think that, like, that's going to be a big deal, and that's a room where, uh, an area where Career Karma can support people in community building. So, um, yeah, my answer is the way to for Career Karma to go beyond um, these six career paths is make sure that there's um, fragmentation in the market, so enough options of schools for the career path that we've aggregated demand for the community, um, and we have uh, vetted them for outcomes, and we have relationships with employers that can hire them. I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about how you organize the communities and you aggregate the demand, because it seems like there might be a business opportunity there as well. If you can find, let's say 300 people who are interested in learning nursing online, each of which is willing to put $50 into a, a Kickstarter or the equivalent of it, then you could go from there to find you know, nurse nursing teachers or instructors who are, are especially good in front of the camera or something like that and arrange sort of a trade there between right. the, between these interested parties. That's what we would do. Yeah. That's, that's what we would do. That's what we get paid for is exactly that right there. So to your point, boot camps pay us for this, but individuals would, trade schools would, colleges doing this multi-multi-billion dollar industry. Um, if you think about aggregating demand, the same type of thing with companies as well. The same flow of like, Companies like if they put out a head of people role, for example, like if you can just introduce a whole bunch of people that are like interested in the role that might be currently in the market that you're aware of, but like are also not on your radar, then like that's actually like really that's a really big deal. Um, so yeah, that's that's right. And the way we think about building community is you want to segment the users. I think. Ignore the staffing analogy. Let's just keep the, the education analogy because I think that's a cleaner example. The way we segment the market is, um, which segmentation is very important with community building, is um, ready applicant. So that's people that like know what they want. They're ready for this. They've they've been vetted. Um, there's they just need help choosing which training program is best for them, or like a gut check to say I've chosen this. Do you think that's a good choice? All right. Number two, you have people that are informed explorers. So these are people that um, may have narrowed it down to like nursing or being a dental dental assistant, right? Both similar career paths, like through trade schools that can get you a job fast, um, but they just want to talk to people in both career paths to like help them decide which one is best for them and their goal and which training programs are effective. And then you have the curious explorer, which I would argue is the largest, the largest um, demographic, which is people that know they want to get a job in healthcare but have no idea what fields exist in healthcare, right? Or they know they want to get a job in technology but they have no idea what fields exist in technology. For example, the people that grew up in Oakland in San Jose that know that Silicon Valley is taking over and pushing people out of their homes and know that people are getting money but have no idea what a coder is, have no idea how to break in. The security guard that's in the building, the janitor that's serving food to the employees has no idea how to get the jobs that they're serving food to people to. Crazy, right? right? Yeah. So, I, so how I, do we help them? Yeah, I was born and raised on a farm up in South Dakota and when it came time to go to college, my mom says, "Well, why don't you why don't you just become an engineer?" Um, yeah, they make a lot of money, and uh, <laughs> that was that was Shout the whole logic. That was yeah. the, the whole logic behind it. I had I'd never met an engineer. I didn't know what they looked like. I didn't even know what they did, and and so you know, so I go down to college to go to engineering school. I I didn't know if that's what I wanted to do. I had no clue. Um, but that was that was a whole different era. Um, well, what I like about what you just said, though, is most people do things that their loved ones, whether it's family or friends, tell them to do, or they encourage them to right, do. Right, right. So they'll they'll be like, hey, like, why don't you become a lawyer or become a doctor or become whatever, and then you're just gonna do whatever that is, or you'd be good at basketball, or you you sing very well, right, and 
like I think that also goes back to the audio thing. Like if you like create these intimate experiences and these relationships with people that you could trust. I mean, look at look at this guy's shirt, the friendship algorithm. Amazing, right? The friendship algorithm. Like I think I think about like but but they're using the imagination now. So now imagine the friendship algorithm on this guy's shirt. So I'm not a software engineer, but I tell people that I'm a social engineer, right? And like these relationships really matter. And if we can create what um, what Thomas was able to experience from his mother, for most people, to where they can just get suggested something from someone that they could trust, that like the similar experience that you had, the reason why I went into investment banking was not because like I, there was there's zero alumni from my school that's in was in investment banking when I was looking for that. I went to a small school in Tennessee called Southern Adventist University. I say it's the best school you never heard of, and my cousin who was in corporate banking said, you should be an investment banker. And I was like, okay. And I didn't even know what it was. That's why I had a very low GPA. That's why I had zero internships when I graduated. But then I figured out what I had to do to get into it. So I love that story. Yeah, the most dangerous piece of advice that uh, people often get this from all their friends and family members. And it's just the, the comment, well, why don't you just get a regular job? That, that piece of advice comes up all the time. And that is, uh, oh, it's disabling. It's crippling. It, it's, it's a terrible piece of advice. I'm not even sure what it means. Though, yeah, right? I don't. I don't even know what it means anymore either. But uh, but then people say, ah, I think maybe you're right. Maybe I should just start going through the ads in the paper and see what's uh, what's out there. Go online. Yeah, and um, that there that. that closes the door on so many other opportunities almost instantly. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And and I'm, I'm really enjoying this podcast episode, by the way. It's probably one of the, the, the most well-rounded ones that I've done. <laughs> That's what we strive for. I, uh, I, want, I wanted to ask you if you, you think that advancing technology and, and the career karma audio rooms, the live audio, the podcast colleges, the, the ability of people to find each other, the, the neural tribes might break some of the hold that people's family and immediate surroundings have on them. So if, if in 20 years, some, you know, intelligent, enterprising young student is told to get a regular job by their grandparents who grew up in a different time and, and favor stability over all other things, she might be able to respond by just going on the career grammar website, finding other people who are interested in similar things and then carving her own career path. So, so it might serve to increase individual autonomy over time. Uh, I mean, it could also go the other way as well. So I, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on that. For sure. I think, um, I think it will break the hold, but I don't always think people are held back by their loved ones. I think they're like, held back by historically only their environment but i would say now by the information that they consume so like i I like this quote that says um code programs computers and media programs humans all right right and so like making sure that like what you're consuming enlightens you to what's actually out there um and this goes back to kind of like credentials. What I do think that it'll break is historically, you know, you just be like, what do you do? What school did you go to? You know, how'd you do on the GMAT? What was your GPA? Also, like all this stuff that really doesn't like get to like a common bond. But like, let's say um, you say you're from South Dakota. Right, right. All right, let's say that you're in the, you move to the Bay Area and like the first happy hour you go to you find out somebody else is from South Dakota, you're going to go crazy. You're like, oh my gosh, you're from South Dakota too? You remember this neighborhood or this farm or this like, whatever, like, I'm, I'm generalizing right now. But it's like, <laughs> you remember you remember this? And then you're like, oh yeah, that's so cool. Or like, you're going to bond over like a favorite sports team or a favorite band or a collective um, memory. I think um, that's what we're going to start going to because the secret, like when it comes to like, getting employed is recognizing that like people hire people that they like. Right. right. People hire yeah. people that they like. Yeah. Right. If you're at a company that's hot, even if it's not hot and you've written out the job description, essentially all of the applications are going to look pretty similar, right? You're going to talk to them and they all can do the work, 
but what's going to, what's going to make you want to hire this person? Um, in addition to those technical skills and being able to do the work, it's going to be, are they a culture ad? I don't like the word culture fit. Are they culture ad? Um, do they have good energy? Do they have the right vibe? Do they have the right spirit? Um, um, do they work well with others? Are they humble? Are they coachable? Are they leaders? Like whatever, like different questions like that. And it's very difficult to assess that by looking at a resume. Right. It's very difficult to assess that just asking about what you've done. And I think that, um, I think that I haven't, I don't even remember what your original question was, (laughs) but, but, I think that I'm capturing like what I, where I think things are going beyond credentials is like, how do we, oh yeah, with career comment, now I remember, like when I look at a profile, what I think will be cool is, um, what if I can show you, like you went to a boot camp, all, let, where do you live right now? We're in Colorado. Colorado. What kind of work, okay, you're, you're a writer or, uh, or let's say a, um, a journalist, right? Yeah, same thing. Yeah, it's journalist, right? Let's say you're a journalist from New York Times, right? And you move to Colorado. What if I could show you all the former journalists that became software engineers that are Rockies fans, right? No, that'd be awesome. That's kind of cool, right? Oh, yeah. Now, now my list of companies that I want to go to has nothing to do with their mission yet. It just shows like the list of people that are like me that are at these companies. And that says a lot because going back to the sovereign individual, when you choose to join a company, I actually think it's like being an investor, but even more expensive because you're giving them your time. All right. You're being a VC with your time, especially early stage. Right. Right. And the riskier stage. And so if people that have been through what you've been through chose to join this list of companies in Colorado of former journalists that went to whatever boot camp that are Rockies fans, now I have common ground. Now that company's more interesting to me. Right. And because like I'm probably gonna get along with the people that are there. I'm gonna read more about their mission. I'm gonna read more about their business models and their vision and their plans and things like that. That's gonna help me a lot. So that's 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 one way data can help to identify people that I would want to work with. Um, another way I think data can help is, let's say that in career comma, just using the same example, um, these writers are from the, the New York Times. They're from like local news institutions. And this is a generalization, but I'm just going to use it as an analogy. They make less money, right? And let's say that a lot of them have bad credit, for example. Um, so let's say that they want to go to a boot camp, um, but they don't have a bank account. But I have data on thousands of former journalists from local news stations that are in Colorado that went through boot camps that got employed in nine to 12 months. Now I can be like, hey, bank account, I know your credit score does not filter for these types of individuals but you should give this person a bank account because I can tell you in nine to 12 months, they will be employed making six figures and they're going to make over a million dollars in their lifetime. And you, by the way, car company, you should also give them like a loan or whatever. Like you could give, or housing, like you could give people access to things that were historically limited to them because of credit score. And again, credit score is not always just, a filter for like bad behavior. Like if my love, I used to work in the caregiving industry. If my grandmother is sick, which she is right now, like I would put a lot of things up, right? To help her. So yeah, that got me a little emotional. That's kind of cool. But anyway, um, (laughs) just thinking about that, you know, that matters. Yeah. No. So it seems like you're, you're describing a, a data pool that will help in two different ways. One is helping people get placed at companies with, people who are similar to them where, where the vibe will be correct. And then the other is actually adding a lot of nuance to what are otherwise very coarse grained metrics, like a credit score. So, I mean, a credit score has a lot of validity, but it's also missing a lot of things as well. And if a person's never opened a bank account, because for whatever reason, they just haven't gotten to that in their life, but they've got potential and they're going into technology, you can actually help banks capture some of that value. So you could create a lot of, of value just in building a data set like that. 
for sure, for sure. Like in the future, I would like Career Karma to have better data than the Department of Education and the Department of Labor in real time. Right? Yeah. Usually you get a lot of this demographics data at a point in time or during a census or whatever, but like if I can show you every single person that's applying enrolled in the job search or employed across institutions in the labor market, that's valuable information. Um, and we wouldn't use that information to exploit. We would use that information to serve those individuals better um, and pinpoint when they might be dropping out because their child stepped on their laptop, for example, and they just need a laptop or <laughs> blah, 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 right. which happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new version of the dog ate my homework. Only this really happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, my kid stepped on my laptop. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, fantastic. Yeah. So in the last couple of minutes, I wanted to just ask you in broad terms, what it is that makes you optimistic about the future? Yeah. So I think that, Human potential is the largest untapped resource ever. I don't like using the word resource because it sounds like we're just using people or people are just being used. But I also like the quote, if you aren't used, you're useless. I also like, if I have value or gifts, um, I think it's my duty to put it out into the world and to figure out what my purpose is. Um, and I would argue that most people aren't doing what they love. But I also think that like this moment in history is positioning people to do what they love and make a living at it in a way that fits their lifestyle, not an employer's lifestyle, which makes people happier, helps them find love, helps them procreate and do a lot of like things that have historically not been happening. I think like you see a lot of people like what's the number one reason for divorce? money issues right um there's a lot of uh people delaying um getting married um i'm not saying that you have to get married i'm not married um right. but just like as i was just there's, there's a lot of things that are going on in the world and i think that um what's beautiful about the internet right so think about all the prosperity that's come from just people being connected on the internet but only half the world's connected on the internet imagine what happens when the entire world's connected on the internet right like Elon Musk with SpaceX and Starlink. Mm -hmm. For the people that don't know what Starlink is, people think, oh, he's creating usable rockets and slashing space costs by 90% so he could colonize Mars. Yes, that is the moonshot goal or the Mars shot goal. But what's the bigger goal, in my opinion, or the bigger opportunity is actually creating global internet and launching satellites to space so that low-cost, affordable internet is accessible by people all over the world. You have places like Africa that have this huge population, young demographic that is hungry. You see like they've adopted FinTech and they're killing it, but they're faced with like blackouts and power issues. And like Google tried to do this with like Project Loon where they launched hot air balloons to do internet, but they just shuttered that. But now Starlink is in the sky. So if everybody in the world has access to the internet, they have a, a, a phone in their pocket or a supercomputer in their pocket. That's a big deal. Right. Systemically, government-wise, um, I think there's still issues. I think race, racism is there's still things related to that, not just from a race perspective, but even from a religion perspective, a sex perspective, or whatever. However, I think if you have access to the internet and the laptop, you have as close to equal opportunity that has ever existed at any given point in time. And what's beautiful about that is no matter what you're interested in, I don't care as, as nuanced as it is, it could be, it could be couch cushions on benches. It could be water bottles. It could be flower colored shirts. Like you're going <laughs> to find, you're going to find a community of people, let's say 50,000 people, a hundred thousand people that believe in what you're doing. Right. And what's cool about that is when I was in college, I read an article called, if you want to make a living, all you need is a thousand true fans. A true fan is someone that's defined as someone that spends $100 on your product every year. 
what's cool or, or, or shows up to what you're doing every year, it makes a donation to you every year. You know, Wikipedia is run by donations. WhatsApp in the beginning only charged $1 for the people on there. And so with code, you can literally reach millions and billions of people. So all you need to do is count to 1,000, get to 1,000 people that believe in what you're building, and you can feed your family. So um, that's why I'm excited. And I'm excited that we can do this not just as an individual, but as a collective, because again, what's the purpose of technology? To give people a voice, the power to create, the power to organize. So, yeah, that's that's, that's fascinating because um, one of the the critical skills that I've identified that people are going to need in the future is what I call fan club management, uh, and uh, that ties right in with what you just said. Absolutely, <laughs> that's so good. That's so good. That's right. <laughs> That's so good. Well, fantastic. Yeah. I really am excited to hear the summary of this conversation. This is good. I'm going to share it everywhere. It's good. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's a nice, uplifting note to end on. Ruben Harris, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Awesome Thank you. job you all are doing. This is really good. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.